Hey friends, welcome to bonus episode number six, The Power to Survive. It's about stress, fitness, and genes, and the relationship between the three of them. This bonus episode is actually an essay I wrote about four years ago when I started to intuit one of the connections that exists between stress and genes. And I knew I was onto something and I started thinking not about stress alone, but stress in the complex of fitness and genes. Even though the show's a little bit more square because I'm reading an essay, I really do hope you nonetheless get something out of the content because I think it shows us the upside of stress, that stress is on our side and that it's not alone, but it's there with a couple other allies and that that truth, that energy, that combination of resources in us is a great ally for our times. And I think we need that kind of inspiration with what's in front of us in the world and in each of our lives. So if you're new to the show, welcome. Glad to have you here to the How Humans Work podcast. If you're a regular listener, I appreciate having you back. It means a lot to me. Um, knowing that people are out there enjoying these shows, perhaps getting valuable and useful ideas and senses of how we work as humans. And I think this essay also can serve us. And then also for you to know that this is a listener supported podcast. I'm not doing ads for a particular reason because I just like the looseness and the freedom of people just being able to drop in the show without having to deal with consumerism. So if you care to make a contribution, I'd appreciate that. You can find that at howhumanswork.us forward slash podcast. Again, thank you. However life is for you, I'm wishing you the best. Appreciate you being here check out the power to survive and let me know what you think. The stress response's primary function is to aid us in times of increased or extended need. It's the biological hyperdrive system installed in the human body by evolution to help us adapt to our surroundings in the face of imperatives, change, problems. At the most basic level, the stress response fires up our energy reserves to enable us to handle the constant threats and opportunities that life extends. But that is not all it does. The range of stress responses we carry within us as humankind has been handed down across millions and millions of generations of species since life first started to learn how to adjust to hardships. Now, hundreds of millions of years on, this ancestral system gradually expanded and modified along the course of time dwells within each of us. This inherited stress response system presents us with a challenge, for each of us is bound by principles related to survival that we didn't create, but nonetheless we are subject to. Our stress response system is our inborn ally, yet because of the time and the world we live in, on average, we only partially come to understand it. We get our stress response system enough to adequately manage stressful situations, but rarely do we live a life of ongoing mastery. More often than not, we are clumsy or even harmful when we try to execute our stress responses. Someone or something becomes a casualty of our ignorance or our lack of aplomb. 
Strengthening our relationship with stress is a worthy task, like learning to respect the power of the sea, whose calm waters under the right conditions can turn overwhelmingly dangerous. The stress response system can, and often does, churn into tumult as well. But we can learn to be sailors of dangerous waters, who can read changes in weather and anticipate the eruption of powerful waves from still waters. By taking a deep dive and examining the principles of our human nature, we can learn to bring the volatile tides of our stress responses into fruitful expression. When we think about our lives, whether we're young with the promise of many adventures ahead, or we are later on in life with many years under our belts, or somewhere in the middle, the story and fate of our lives, whether we are aware of it or not, is defined by what we did or did not do in response to the demands of stress we faced. Small errors in judgment can impact the entirety of our lives. Like the man I once met on a retreat who thought his five-year-old son was just by his side as they crossed the street. The boy froze up and delayed while the father lost momentary track of him. Tragically, his son was struck and killed by an oncoming car. A split-second gap in perception changed everything in the course of their lives. The son's life ceased, and the father carried a heavy grief that would take time and community support to heal from. While our own heirs may or may not have such a tragic outcome, we remember them, and they remember us. We all walk, more or less, counting our wins and losses in the field of survival. It's not a pretty picture to admit it, either mischaracterized as vanity or diminished as ego, it actually arises from a deeper need than given credit for. For it is through our successes and maybe even more so through our failures, we learn how to adapt. Our stress responses are the double-edged sword we are to learn how to wield and to sheath. We pay attention to our takes and our mistakes for good reason. Yet, if we get less myopic about stress for a moment, we can see that the stress response system, vitally important as it is, is not the only way in which humans and other animals are able to adapt. After years of thinking about stress, one day it dawned on me that stress's adaptive function exists on a continuum that also includes fitness and genes. In fact, our stress response system our fitness, and our genes are like a three-layered system that interacts with one another to support individual as well as collective survival. They are facets of an interconnected web of biology that express themselves across time periods, influencing our nature and the capacity we have to adapt, and ultimately, the terms of our fate. In other words, our stress response system Fitness and genes are all playing on the same team, the team of survival. And much like water has three different states, gas, liquid, and solid, so too do these adaptive capacities of our bodies exist at three different levels. They all support us with evolving conditions, even as their expressive states and ways of helping vary between them. In this aquatic metaphor, our acute stress responses arising from our stress response system are the steam, 
Stress responses like gas tend to be highly mutable and quick-acting, helping with short-term adaptive needs. Normally, they last seconds and minutes in high-intensity situations like life and death and other high-consequence circumstances. Stress responses can also last for hours, days, and weeks in lower-intensity events. It is not difficult to see the ribbon that ties stress responses to our fitness. Repeated exposure to stresses builds readiness in the body, mind, and spirit. Anytime we begin some new endeavor, the demands are often extra stressful. That is, until we attain a level of fitness that normalizes it. Consider the way in which new recruits get welcomed into the military. Boot camp is a prolonged encounter with physical and psychological stressors. Over the two to three months, enlistees find the level of basic military fitness needed to meet, to adapt to the demands that come with service. Most of us also understand that unrelenting stress responses work against our fitness. When we are locked in a chronic state of stress and the cascades of increased energy demands persist as we tunnel into our pressures without recovery, it takes a noticeable toll on our fitness. How we think, move, eat, and feel become less durable. Without the needed breaks for restorative processes and the negative downstream effects of chronic immune activation and inflammation, our resilience diminishes, we can handle less, and burnout is a real possibility. Fitness, then, is impacted by constructive and destructive exposures to stress. Simply understood, we are strengthened by challenges and diminished by overwhelm or indifference. In common health parlance, use it or lose it is the way we phrase it. Fitness will change depending on conditions, or rather, fitness is a consequence of our conditioning. If we are conditioned in our bodies to sit in chairs, working at computers, day after day, month after month, year after year, but on vacation, our mind still thinks it can take up kite surfing on a whim. Then the joints and sinews of the body might be painfully surprised by how unfit it is for such fun. Taking it a step further, our current level of fitness is the water of our adaptive triad. Fitness isn't simply a readout on how physically toned we are. It is how capable and adaptive we are to survive in our particular conditions. High fitness indicates a strong match between what we can readily do and what it takes to creatively endure our environments. The impact of our fitness is more substantial than letting off steam through a stress response. And yet, fitness is not as solid as the force of our genes are, which steady the ship across generations. Harshly, fitness stands apart from our moral preferences. Being successfully fit doesn't mean survival strategies are fair or pretty. Being fit to live on the streets or in the selfish centers of power acquisition are forms of survival that seem to exist outside moral standards. Whether the water of our fitness is running or stagnant, it is our next level adaptive resource beyond a stress response. Fitness defines how well we can handle daily stressors, and it also gives us the capacity to be adaptive over medium-range time periods, helping us with how we live our days, weeks, months, and years. 
as fitness becomes more pronounced, we are better equipped to deal with stressors. And the more we learn to be effective with our stress responses, the fitter we are. The military inductee being asked to do 100 burpees on day one of boot camp versus day 75 will in all likelihood have a different response to that stress. A number of years ago when we took home our new puppy, I admittedly was an unfit puppy dad. I'd never raised a dog from puppyhood before. And getting Tallulah was not my wife's idea, so naturally nighttime puppy care was mine. During Tallulah's first two weeks, I kept her in a puppy crate next to my bed. Every time she made a noise, I roused and felt anxious. I couldn't relax, and I didn't sleep very well each night. I was stressed out, as I was uncertain if I was doing the right things to nurture her in a balanced way. I woke with every whimper and snarfle. Gradually, as our intermammalian bond formed and the trust and confidence came along with it, I settled down and restful sleep returned. As sweet as this little puppy tail may be, more importantly, it is a clear lesson about the role of fitness in dampening down stress. In other words, until we find our fitness with the set of conditions we are in, stress will keep calling to us. Of course, fitness is not just something we earn by building know-how with our stress responses. It is also an expression of genes. Fitness is the living substance between the vapors of stress and the ice of genetics, arising from the molecular know-how of DNA interacting with the pressures found in the world. Genes, then, are the third layer in our adaptive triad. They are substantial like glaciers and slow-moving as well. They express themselves not in days or weeks, even though they are active every second, but across lifespans, countless generations, and ultimately across the entire evolutionary process. Genes are impacted by stress and fitness. The problematic impact of chronic stress not only impacts fitness, but the structure of genes. High oxidative stress loads, and the persistent cortisol exposure that comes with them, particularly the kind that is the consequence of adverse childhood experiences like neglect, increase the rate at which our telomeres thin. Telomeres are the protective caps at the ends of DNA strands and naturally wear with each cell division, which happens again and again throughout our lifespan. With the biochemistry of toxic stress inside our vessels, the enzyme that supports telomeres replenishing degrades, leaving the body more inflamed and prone to other age-related health risks. While our DNA has the recipe that codes the stress response system, it is not immune to the influence of stress on how genes express, mutate, and vary. Chronic stress takes a toll on our genes even if they are not rapidly in flux like stress or shape-shifting around like fitness can. We can think of genes as the visionaries and long-term strategies of adaptation. Considered to work blindly and without bias, they express themselves in concert with the conditions they find themselves saturated. The outward world and the behaviors we engage in influence how genes speak back, turning gene expression on and off in response. So while genes are solid, 
they are not inflexible. As the slow cookers of adaptations, they brew change with their own logic, forever balancing the need for stability while sending out trial balloons of novel mutations that might find a sweet spot in the environment in the next generation. Another connection between stress and genes is this. Under stressful conditions, the rate of gene variability increases. This fact was something I intuited as a possibility, and when I found the paper that confirmed it, I realized I was starting to understand the deeper workings between stress, fitness, and genes. Since the arrival of ancient humans in the biosphere more than 2 million years ago, along with the subsequent migrations out of Africa and across the planet, our lineage has encountered change. Over the last couple hundred years, the rate of change has arguably been exponential. No doubt stress helped genes conjure new possibilities for who we were to become. Our ancestors found ways to innovate and survive with short-term stress responses, as well as fitness building, which ultimately influenced the river of genes that flowed through them and into us. We too have this triad of resources to survive changing conditions. And my God, have the conditions changed. Those long ago periods and events have shaped our genomes and the cultural practices we need to build fitness. Much of our personal troubles today is to figure out what fitness works in such an age as ours. And yet, all who we are is a direct consequence in those far away and more recent ancestral stories. In each of us and in every cell of our bodies, we carry a unique yet highly similar arrangement of nucleopeptides that have been altered, mutated, recombined, and shared intergenerationally since the dawn of life. Beyond all the surface-level variations and trait differences across the human family, the triad of adaptation is the bedrock of how we operate. It is a common and profound ability for change that unites us. If ever there was a time to call out the depths of our enduring humanity, and the ability to respond to change at multiple levels, it would be now. Each day, let us welcome each other and ourselves on this journey where stress, fitness, and genes are the deeper story of our survival. Let us remember, as Katie Bowman says, that all bodies are welcome. And all bodies are welcome with the know-how they have to meet the massive changes of our age. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our ancestors. And most assuredly, we owe it to the future. Thank you so much for joining the show today. You can support the How Humans Work podcast by sharing the shows with your people, your family, your friends, your community. And you can keep it ad-free by making a donation to our Venmo at HHW underscore pod. I appreciate your support. All music is performed by the incredible Chase Jackson at chasejacksonmusic.com. To learn more about our guest, the show, or Jeffrey's work helping people make peace with their human nature, you can go to howhumanswork.us.